Digital brings you Launch Base. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The world of tech startups reimagined. Build and elevate your idea, product, and company as we take you behind the scenes with successful entrepreneurs, investors, and tech professionals. These mentors showed me a map of success. Learn from inspiring stories, business strategies, and marketing techniques that will take your business to the next level. Are you ready? And now your host, John Radford. Cool. So, hi, and welcome to another episode of Launchbase. This is a podcast all about tech startups and everything digital product. If you're a startup just starting out on your journey or a corporation looking to be more agile in your product development, we've got you covered. So, on today's podcast, we're delighted to have Roy Shelton, Roy's managing partner of Dropjaw Ventures Group. Dropjaw are an award winning company based in Chester who provide access to capital, interim management, and advisory services to scale ups and companies in need of turnaround. Roy has 25 years plus as a multi-award winning results-driven leader, focusing on business growth and forward-thinking strategy and business transformation. Hello, Roy. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, pleasure, Roy. Pleasure. That was a brief introduction. I know, you know, 25 years in the game, there's going to be a lot more that you can tell us about yourself first before we move on to everything. So perhaps you can give us a little rundown on you guys at Dropjaw, what you do, and then, you know, your experience leading up to that. Yeah, sure. So uh, as, as you rightly point out at Dropjaw, we provide access to capital and advisory services for startup and scale-up businesses, but also those in distress looking to turn around. And mm-hmm. we're only a small team over here in Chester. However, I, I feel that we uh, that we punch well above our weight for a small business. You know, over the last 12 months, we've uh, we've completed 10 transactions, six of them using our own cash, and then the other four with a bit of our own cash sat alongside others. So um, yeah. we, we tend to focus on professional services and technology businesses. Okay, that's really cool. Those those sort of 10 transactions that you did, are they kind of, what, what sectors are they focusing on? Those buyouts, are they investment transactions? What typically is the spread for you guys? What, so what so we, we, do? Yeah, we, we, we only get involved, especially when we deploy in our own cash in technology or professional services businesses. So mm-hmm. telecommunications, cybersecurity, IT and hosting, marketing companies in terms of social media marketing, lead generation, uh, branding and design. A number of those transactions were new money in to accelerate growth. Um, And that was either our money standing alone or alongside other angel investors and also uh, impact um, funds. So uh, people like FW Capital, Development Bank of Wales, those those types of things. Awesome. Awesome. So we typically work with a lot of startups and that's kind of who's going to be a a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are going to be in the startup space either at angel seed rounds what stage do you typically help people when it comes to access to funds you know we 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 tend to focus on seed and startup and then Mm -hmm. going through into commercialization so you know the 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 way that i try to explain it to people you know we've got a greenhouse full of tomato plants and uh, some are at various stages of maturity and some will go on to produce some amazing tomatoes that you'll just go and pick and eat others will just be you, you can only cook with them 
and others will actually wither and die because you know with, with the very nature of what we do it's it's early stage it's high risk and whilst we where we deploy our own funds we always get involved in those businesses at a non-exec advisory level you know they're not all going to succeed for a variety of different reasons but we, yeah. we have you know a good reputation and good track record of backing winners which i'm proud of that's interesting i don't want to be too downbeat but actually i'd quite like to touch upon a little bit of the failures, <laughs> if yeah. you don't mind. And and how do you assess risk management and what's the process there and what, what should startups look to kind of avoid or any advice that you have on that when startups are approaching founders and how they assess risk management from their point of view? Yeah, I mean, you know, r- risk goes two ways. So either risk from the investors or risk from the founders. I mean, for, from from an investor point of view, you know, we, we've got a proven approach to, to, to assessing risk. We look at the team. We look at their passion, their commitment, their, mm. their drive and enthusiasm, and how we can mentor and develop those people. Because it's very rare that you come across founders that are the, the, the finished article. You know, you're learning every day, and it's it's also their their ability to be able to to learn and adapt to uh, a privately funded venture. You know, you bring in other people's cash, your mentality, and your behaviours have to change. So we look at that and whether they can do that. We look at the market volatility in that particular sector. If there's a lot of government cash going into it, it's typically uh, it's typically nice to, to to follow that type of opportunity that's uh, legislative or regulatory driven. So yeah. that's always a nice one to get involved with. And then then we look at the overall scalability of the business. And, it, and if we feel all those things come together, then it is something that we can do and in order to mitigate risk out of our ventures, as I said earlier, especially if we put in our own money in, we get involved in a non-exec level. So we're there to guide, to mentor, not just the founder, but but the, the whole management team. You, you know, keep their feet on the ground when things are going good, but, mm-hmm. but also pick them up when things are not going so good. And you'll have that whole emotional roller coaster of, uh, of feelings and trials and tribulations as you start start on your venture. And it's just providing them with those gray airs and war stories and battle scars from the mistakes that I've made in my career and my businesses, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, there's a couple of things that I want to pick out from that, actually. And one is the, the growth capacity and you know this is something that i hear from a lot of vcs and from y combinator and stuff like that you know they're looking for that you know out in california they're looking for that explosive growth you know when they're sort of putting you know money in at at these stages what what kind of growth levels are you looking for how does a startup kind of measure that because a lot of the time Particularly, say in the maybe the the B two B or B two C in particular space, like pr- financial projections are tough. So, how are we how are we measuring this explosive growth, or does it need to be explosive, or are you a bit more kind of like? I don't know, times 10 or something is fine. Uh, do, do, do you know, I, I hate the, the, the phrase, not being disrespectful, John, explosive growth. You know, mm. I want realistic, achievable believable growth because the number of people that we come across uh, you know early stage founders that show this huge hockey stick curve in terms of revenue or users or profitability i mean it's great to be aspirational don't get me wrong and i you know i want to back winners that do have those aspirational uh, visions but it's got to be achievable and realistic you know you get back to basics let's look at smart objectives to start with that's what i always bring people back to and then in terms of, you know, how do you go about driving that growth? I mean, one of the things that, that we did early with Dropjaw 
we invested into a lead generation company and become non-exec advisors to that business. That business has gone on from literally a startup three years ago to doing three quarters of a million pound this year. Great. Admittedly, it's uh, there's one acquisition in there that that uh, that does branding and messaging and website development and what have you. So what we tend to do when we put our own money into companies, uh, we tend to bring in that marketing company, that lead generation company, to drive lead generation, to drive social content and engagement with a view to looking at realistic growth within the market and within that cool. within that company. And in terms of measurement, look, you know, once you put a realistic set of projections together that the investors bought into, it's all about measurement. You know, measure, 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 measure. And then don't be afraid actually to, you know, use a control loop type mechanism to to measure and, you know, assess whether you were too optimistic or or or, or overly cautious with, with your mm. projections and adjust mm. slightly from there, but not to the point where it just absolutely decimates the business. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I, I I'm I'm a fan. It's not disrespectful at all what what you said, you know, because a lot of the a lot of founders do have slightly kind of inflated idea, like inflated projections of where their business is likely to head, and it's it's nice to be realistic. And if it, if yeah. it explodes, then great, you know, yeah, absolutely. That's a happy that's a happy accident. So some of the mistakes that founders will make when approaching in investors. Is there a common theme that you see here amongst people when they're looking for money? Um, you, you know what, John? Different founders and then different seasoned operators, you know, in a turnaround situation, mm-hmm. make different types of mistakes. It all depends on where they are in their, their own mindset. And I, I often find that mistakes are either through one of two things, naivety or arrogance. Uh-huh. They may have been advised by a family member. They may have been advised by a bank. They may have been advised by, uh, you, you know, other business owners. But quite often, you know, they've seen something on TV, whether it's Dragon's Den or Startup on Amazon Prime and things like that, where they've got, you know, quite a an insecure founding on where they think they are. But in terms of the, the common mistakes that I always find when uh, when people approach us is valuation. Yeah, okay. valuation is always the big one. It's always a bone of contention in any type of investment, whether it's a turnaround or a startup or a scale up, because you know founders always overvalue their business. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's my yeah. job to to bring a sense of reality to the discussion and set and manage that expectation going forward. And sometimes it can be quite a difficult discussion because if you value something at a at a billion pounds and you're the next unicorn to come out of wherever you come from, and, and in reality, you know, the best valuation you can get on the business is pre-revenue, pre-profit, doesn't really have an MVP, is 100 grand for argument's sake, then you've got to set that expectation accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's like estate agents having conversations with people when they want to sell their houses. You know, <laughs> of course it is, John. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And the the other thing that that, that I often find, John, is that um, people overly simplify and think it's overly simpl- simplistic in terms of uh, the time it takes to get to yes and get to cash in the bank. 
Okay. You know, with the best will in the world, you, you know, you can go off half-cocked with, with a very poor message, poor set of projections. It's our job to get people investor-ready with a good set of projections, a good deck, a good narrative, and then make sure that those, uh, those opportunities go in front of the right investors at the right time. And it's very rare that we get involved in an opportunity where we don't put our own cash in. So, you know, we, we can operate and we can, we can do transactions far quicker than most people can because we don't have a, you know an investment committee that we have to go through typically it's it's me that makes the decision i'll bounce it around a couple of people within the business or a couple of the angels that we work with and if there's a consensus that we want to back it we, we can move very quickly um and so what is very quickly roy like you know you, you mentioned that it takes a long time and 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 it's a good point because i think people think that they can turn it around quickly and it's like oh we're in the process of getting funding and it's like uh, Okay, well, we'll come and see us, you know, when you have it, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, what is your sort of turnaround time that, that you, you say? So, so, you know, people, like I say, John, always oversimplify what they think it takes to do a funding round. So if we're funding a startup and it's our own cash and we like the people and you know they're in a semi-decent position when we first meet them, I, a reasonable set of projections, even with a little bit of due diligence, you know, we can go from inquiry to yes to cash in the bank in about four weeks. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, it is. I mean, you, you know, just to give you a classic example of that, we're doing one transaction at the moment for one of our existing portfolio companies where we're the majority shareholder and we're acquiring another business. And literally from initial discussion with me picking up the phone to this particular founder to going into due diligence was three weeks. We've, right. we've probably got a week of DD which isn't too much because it doesn't need to be. Heads of terms are already pre-agreed. We are set for completion by the end of uh, by the end of March. So, in total, that will have taken just under six weeks to to do that, um, which really I think good. is really good. Yeah. Uh, in terms of when we're investing alongside others, look, we can move probably quicker than the other people that we work with. But even then, you know, we're, we're looking at probably about twelve weeks in reality to to, to get money into the bank. Yeah, and would you say that the twelve weeks is if if they weren't going with you guys? you know, just approaching other VCs or angel funding, do you think that is a kind of three to four months? Is that some sort of typical turnaround time? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen things take a year. You know, I've, I, I, when uh, when I was operating in, in various companies, you know, I, I can remember kicking off a funding round in, in August of one year. It didn't close until the September of the following year, so 13 months. And it was sure. hell. It was absolute yeah. hell. So what we've tried to do at Dropjaw is simplify the process because we, we've been down this path no end of times ourselves when we were operators within businesses. And we know the pain and, and, and the distress that it can have on running a business. Uh, the distraction's such a good point. Now, the founder, um, 37 Signals founder, who went on to build a base camp. Now, they, 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 they wrote a book all about this, you know, lean startups and everything. And, and they, they're they all exponents about like launching lean and trying to build revenue generating businesses right off, right from the off. Don't go for any funding. Try and do it all lean and everything. That model has changed somewhat. But, you know, Raising money is a distraction to a business, and I, and I guess that is something that you you help with um, founders because you know so that they can kind of keep their eye on the ball in terms of actually running the business as well. Yeah, absolutely, John. And, and you know, as I said before, you know, I can remember doing one fundraise for a particular company I was running at the time, and it took me out of the business for thirteen months. 
literally mm. out of the business. And if it wasn't for the support of my CFO and my COO at the time, you, you know, the business would have suffered dramatically. Yeah. So what, again, we, we try to do is, is simplify the process, work with the founders. And remember that there has to be a balance here between running your business and driving that forward and doing your fundraise and actually having a social life outside that as much as you can during lockdown, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, we work with them. We help put the projections together. We don't just rely on them sending a set of numbers over. So we, we rigorously go through those and challenge those. Nine times out of 10, we actually rewrite them into a format that we've developed. So when we go to potential investors that we've worked with previously, they know the type of format to expect from us and, and they rely on the, uh, the the validity and the accuracy of those, of those those plants and yeah. those models so that works also with uh, presenting um, a, an investor deck you know we pull the initial ideas from the clients or from the target company we then really hone that and put a narrative together and then i get one of our professional services investment companies to actually really make it look aesthetically pleasing um, so we can present it in the best possible light to uh, to to potential investors Cool, cool. You know, I'm always reluctant to talk about COVID because it's getting boring. It's been a year now, but you mentioned lockdown and, you know, I think we should touch on it briefly in terms of like the impact that, you know, COVID has had on, say, investors. Have investors been more cautious? Are you seeing an uplift now as we're sort of, you know, vaccines kicking in and we're sort of coming out of lockdown slowly? You know, what's the past year been like? You mentioned you've done 10 transactions. Is that normal or is that more or is that less? It, what, has there been an impact? Well, you, you know, it's just a year and one day since the uh, the World Health Organization declared COVID as a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, so you, you, wow. your question is is pretty well timed there, John. Yeah. <laughs> possibly done this interview yesterday. <laughs> but, you know, lots of investors, when 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 that happened, what, what I saw, they, they battened down the hatches and support of their existing portfolio, which is absolutely the right thing to do. You protect your positions. Sure. And they looked at very little else. Um, advisors, investors, advisors and angel investors, on the other hand, became inundated. You know, right. I, I look at the workload. You know, I haven't had a day off all the way through this. So, yeah, I, I was fortunate that I got seven days in Greece during the semi-lifting of the lockdown in, uh, in, in August. And I tended to work most days when I was on holiday anyway. So it's been absolutely um, a drain and hard work for advisors and investors throughout this period, either supporting their their existing portfolio or supporting new opportunities that's come their way, which they feel that they have the firepower to uh, to back. And we've done that. We've backed, as I say, um, we've got involved in, we've completed 10 transactions. We've used our own funds in, in five of them. Uh, we're currently still working on several startup and scale-up funding transactions. I think people's appetites are roughly the same as what they were before COVID. The people are still going back to the fundamentals. Without COVID, would you still have a sustainable, viable business? Mm-hmm. And if you have, we know that COVID is not going to last forever. We know that COVID is going to change the way that we work, the way that we live to an extent. But I don't believe that everything's going to go virtual and people are not going to go into offices. We're already seeing a, you know, a number of high-profile companies saying they're not going to go either completely remote or completely in the office. So you know, the whole thing that the government's been trying to promote for a number of years now, all about flexible working, I think will become the norm. Um, yes. If I look across our portfolio, what we've what we've typically done here 
is said to people, look, you know, spend a couple of days in the office uh, and, and two or three days either working from home or going to client sites if it's safe to do so. Mm. And I think, you know, I think with that rolling out now, it, it could work well. Uh, but yeah. from our point of view, you know, in order to mitigate risk and, and generate increased shareholder value, and as I said earlier, John, especially where we're deploying our own funds, we always take up a non-exec role in those companies where we can help the founders on the arduous road to success. And that comes via mentoring, facilitating introductions to to other organizations that we're involved in. So you become like a, a nice little trading marketplace and really taking the whole team on uh, on that journey. But our own views, looking at what we see and looking across our portfolio, is that uh, we're open for business, but we're optimistically cautious about the future. Okay, well, that's a nice way to put it. And moving on from that, the the kind of mentorship piece that you you guys do, I guess that's something that you know because there's kind of crowdfunding stuff out there and all of these things, and you know it's quite attractive for. I'm not going to say it's easy money, but that's you know there's a route to money there that where you know I see on Crowdcube there's there's just billions of startups and getting quite quite decent money and valuations for you know sometimes. It's just businesses that aren't going to set the world on fire. I think, you know, you guys are, are offering that advice and guidance to people as they scale up. Are there are there kind of some growing pains that you often see uh, with startups that you, you guys help with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in, in terms of cash, you know, I, I always look at it that there's, you know, you've got... You've got smart money or you've got dumb money. I mean, that's hysterically how, it, how it's been termed. You know, I'd like to think it's it's either active or passive investment, right? Mm. We are definitely on the active investment side of things. So, you know, we're not a bank. We're not a, convinci- a, convinci- a conventional sort of private equity house because we're not. We're a small family office per se, where wherever we put money into to organizations, uh, whether the startup scale-ups or turnarounds, then we always get involved. And I think that's the way that we, we like to work. And what we see from that is, is we get increased shareholder value. We get greater intimacy with those investments. We understand what makes those individuals perform better. Um, a lot of this is derived from the work that we do with Aston Business School. So Aston Business School run a whole series of different scale-up and growth programs for fast-moving startups or or looking at improvements with people and process across more mature businesses. So we've been mentoring on that program now for four or five years. And quite often, you know, we'll we'll continue our work with them post-course. A number of them we've actually invested into or, or acquired. So for me, getting involved early and starting to set that operating cadence with those particular founders is the is is the key to this? Yeah, cool. So, in in terms of you, you we, we touched upon COVID and you know post COVID, you know moving forward, are there any specific industries that you guys are particularly excited about? You know, any kind of I don't know, ed tech, agri tech, yeah, fintech. Is is any anything that excites you guys? Any particular sector that you think is primed for growth? You know that hasn't already exploded. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned EdTech. One mm. of the investments that we made during the lockdown was into an EdTech company. Cool. And we're really, really excited about this business. You know, a tremendous team in there. 
absolutely fantastic global partnerships already. So you talk about scale and explosive growth. I mean, these guys have gone from zero to heroes literally overnight with the provision of remote learning, blended learning platforms for primary and secondary schools, but working with some of the largest publishers in the world. Fantastic. So we're really, really excited about that opportunity. <laughs> I hope you can sense from my... Uh, I can from, see that, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, so very excited about that one. The other two areas that, um, well, there's actually f- uh, three areas, is hosting. More okay. and more people are moving servers and applications to, to the cloud. So the hosting market, where we've got an active investment in that at the moment, we're expanding that, as I mentioned earlier, with an acquisition of another hosting company to accelerate the growth of that particular business. So, you know, as more and more people want more and more mobility and accessibility to to, to data and content and applications when they're working remotely or, or on the road, I think that market's going to continue to grow. The other one is cybersecurity. You know, okay, you, yeah. every day you see in headlines, John, of not just large businesses, you know, forget the Marriott's, the BAs, you know, the talk talks, forget those businesses. There are tiny, tiny businesses that are being held to, to, to ransom because of ransomware yeah. attacks, because of phishing attacks, you know, a whole variety of things. I mean, I, I see horror stories every week where people have lost content or the whole system's down or inadvertently, you know, the office manager or the financial controller's transferred 50 grand to somewhere he shouldn't based mm. on, a, on an email that purports to come from the MD. You know, that's rife. So again, we've got an interest in, in, in cybersecurity and we, we hope to expand that. But if you think of all of those things, you know, the key to this is connectivity. It's pointless having an EdTech platform or cybersecurity or hosting for all your applications and your content if you can't connect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have an interest in uh, in a business that does uh, fiber optical connectivity purely to businesses all across uh, the Northern Powerhouse region and down into the Midlands. In fact, we even have customers in, in in Cornwall, and that business has just gone from strength to strength over the last uh, the last twelve months. You, you know, if yeah, I look at before, performance is up seventeen percent on that business, and you know, in a pandemic, for some a business to grow at that pace is is incredible. Yeah, extraordinary. That's really cool. Some nice insights into you know what what we're looking at in the future. So, Roy, it's been awesome chatting. I want to I want to give you a chance to just plug Dropjaw again, and you know what you guys do and who you're looking for, and maybe reach out and maybe some people can reach out to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for that, John. Um, Dropjaw, like I say, it's all about providing access to capital and advisory services to startups, scale-ups, and distressed businesses. So you know, if you have got a, 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 an imaginative um, insight to what you want to do with a business, if you've got a business that you're looking to really pump prime with some cash to really scale that business up, but you want some active cash that's going to bring those gray hairs, war stories, and battle scars to help you scale up, mm-hmm. and more importantly, those contacts and black book that you can leverage on that scale-up journey, please get in touch. Likewise, you know, companies that are in distress, John, they, they often find it very, very difficult to pick up the phone and ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, they feel it's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. Everybody has problems. We, we hear about people not being afraid to reach out for uh, help with their mental health. And that is important, as we all know. 
but so is business health. You know, if your business is performing healthily or you take the worry away from your business, you will improve your mental health. So don't leave it too late. There are options out there to help you restructure your business and either continue with it on a better footing or be part of something different or exit totally. So, you know, pick up the phone and check us out at dropjawventures.co.uk. So, yeah, we're delighted to hear from you. That's awesome. And actually, you know, I thought that was going to be closing comments, but I I do want to pick up on that, you know, the... The uh, the distressed business thing because I know you know as a as a founder myself it it can be a very a, a very lonely place and yeah I think I think it's really great that you've kind of touched on that actually Roy because it's important for people to to reach out like you say don't be proud just 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 do it yeah you know well John I've paced the landing at four a.m in a morning years and years ago worrying about how we're going to make payroll or how we're going to deliver a project or how we're going to pay HMRC. Yeah. You know, it's not a nice place to be. Don't mm. suffer in silence mm. is, is, is my parting comment. You know, there's help there. Brilliant. Roy, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's really been a fascinating chat. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Cool. Drop your ventures, guys. Cheers. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of LaunchBase, brought to you by Born Digital. Mission complete. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. For more info and to stay connected off the show, visit launchbase.fm.